Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. So strangely, what do we know about Bridgerton? I know it's a vaguely Regency thing because I saw like 10 seconds of a TV spot for it. Like, and there were there were people in sort of frilly costumes with some kind of lace at the cuffs kind of a deal. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, the high collars type of the thing. And they're all white people, but then there was like one like black guy in it. And then it said Bridgerton. That's all I know. Okay. But I was like, I want to know more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you know about Bridgerton? Uh, I know that Bridgerton is a Netflix series, which was based on a series of romance novels. I understand that they are set during the Regency period, I think. Now that I said that, I'm like, oh, it could be slightly before or slightly after. Right. How would I know? The Regency period is surprisingly short. Well, also then that depends. Are you talking about the proper Regency period in the sense of when he was the Prince Regent? Or are you using the conventional style of referring to his the rest of his reign as also the Regency period? Because otherwise it would go Georgian, Regency, Georgian. Anyway, too much information. And then like Georgian, Regency, Georgian, Victorian, and then to another Georgian. Isn't there another King George after Victoria? Yeah, but I just think it's they didn't they stopped referring to them as uh, as like Georgian because then it, you, then you get into like World War One, right? World War Two, right? Post war, pre war. It's people started defining things by the wars rather than by monarchs, and then I think after World War Two, it just people started referring to decades and not there weren't eras so much anymore. I believe that's true. Anyway, this is historical talk with Strangely and Sarah. I did, I, I did just take a break from making podcasts to go get my history degree, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. One other thing, when we were like, we're gonna do this episode that we talked about off recording, that I asked you. Was, is this based off of a historical figure who's referred to as the Black Count? If that's true, I don't know anything about it. The only historical figure that I know is a character on the show is Queen Charlotte. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this series, the, the, the book series as well as the show, was intended to be sort of an alternate history take because apparently Queen Charlotte like, was officially white on paper, but many people believe based on portraits of her that she was mixed race uh-huh so this show is like and then the book are like but what if she was like straight up black there was never any question about it there's never any like oh but we don't say it or anything and her becoming queen somehow like ushered in like an era of basically there are just like black and white people in the court right and in the aristocracy and it's like whatever just yeah it's all like whatever <laughs> what <laughs> I, just, I don't just, mean just to sound derogatory man. about it being whatever. I just mean like it, it's a, it's a non-issue for the characters. That's in what the I was. I'm sorry, Mike yeah. Bleh was supposed yeah. to convey a non-issue. Right. Well, shall shall we go vibe on this show? <laughs> One more thing that I uh, think I know is that uh, it's about a young lady, and uh, then there's a rich guy who's like, "I shall never marry. I am an inveterate rake, or whatever," and he's black. <laughs> and then there's a pretty young white girl who's like, "But what about me?" I think that's the main crux of the story. Also, there's like a chubby redhead and people ship her with a guy with a big pompadour, I think. 
I'm, I'm I'm holding back laughter just because we've introduced this show that apparently has people of color in it, and then there's a pretty young white girl who's like, "But what about me?" <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but also, I know. But yes, also yes. Uh, also, I think the costumes are a bit. I think the costumes are a lot. That is the impression I've gotten from some stills. Well, I the I, costumes may be slightly heightened version of historically accurate. I'm I'm getting amped to the point of I, asking, why aren't we watching that right I, now? I don't think it's quite to the point of rain where they were uh-huh. just like, what's a history? Yeah, I think it's a little more like they they started with the bones of history uh-huh. and then they went, what if some glitter happened? You know? Oh, I like it. Okay, so um, yeah, I think that's where we are with Bridgerton. Shall we go watch? Let's go watch Bridgerton. Bridgerton. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> so, we just watched the first episode of Bridgerton. It was a show? It was a show, yes indeed. Sure was. Would you like to take a stab at a one-sentence synopsis, or shall I? I didn't pre-write one, like I sometimes do. I think it's better when we just wing it, actually. You know, you turned to me and said something while we were watching this, and I was like, I can't think of a better summary. Oh, what was it? I've already you forgotten. You just turned to me and you were like, oh, so it's Gossip Girl Regency Edition. Oh, yes. I mean, That's the funny one sentence synopsis. But like if someone had said that to me before watching this. Yeah. This is basically what my brain would have conjured. So, but yeah, more a more plot yeah, yeah. based one sentence synopsis. Uh, the Bridgerton and Featherton families prepare their daughters for debutante season in regency times times england and there is a duke (laughs) oh also a hot duke is there a hot duke is there which is an addendum to almost any plot that i would be happy with yeah yeah. You just someone's describing to you like any any movie. They're describing Jaws, and they're like, "Oh, also a hot Duke is there," yeah. and you're like, "I'm in." Danny Ocean assembles a team of the ten best thieves and con men he can, and also a hot Duke is there. Yeah. No, oh, that would be good. I think we've sort of captured the general yeah. thing of what's going on. Uh, yeah. Should we move on into sort of the general yeah. discussion? We sometimes just launch into talking about the right. show without capturing the just the general shape of the pilot. Mm-hmm. So I think let me take a stab at a one sentence synopsis of the pilot. Okay, yeah, right? yeah, please do that. Okay, uh, in Regency era England, two aristocratic families, the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons, prepare their young daughters to be presented to Queen Charlotte for the season, so they can find husbands. And the Bridgerton girl is like, everybody's like, ooh, she's hot shit. And everybody's like, the Featheringtons, what a mess. But then uh, the brother of the the Bridgerton girl is like, nobody's good enough for you. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, nobody wants her. And so then there's a hot duke, and she and the hot duke are like, let's do a scheme to get people off your back because you don't want to get married, and get people on my back because I do want to get married, and, and scene. I'm going to transcribe that <laughs> sentence. That I realized there was just a little bit too much for one sentence. I was no, so close. No, but you nailed the overall all structure of this. Yeah. Which is good because uh, I don't know where we're going to drop in the little... Uh, also, the little... A, a, a snarky society paper is there. <laughs> yes. The the gossip girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, speaking of, I don't know what wouldn't be improved by thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm just imagining gossip girl as... 
with with Julie Andrews doing the narration of the like XO XO dear readers. XO XO Lady Whistledown. <laughs> well, should we should we move on into our more uh I mean I guess we're already doing it, but Yeah, we're here. We're usually there's here. like a little there's a little um a sound effect? You mean like this? That was, I was not expecting that sound, but yeah. That, now you, now I have to look up a weird sound. Gosh, strangely, don't make more work for me. Anyway, here we are talking about Bridgerton. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, I, don't, I don't, I don't want to like front load this, mm-hmm. but sometimes I have a very clear idea when I have just finished watching something and we start to talk about it. I'm like, I love this and I can't wait to just like gush or I hated this. I can't wait to pick it apart. In this moment, exactly right now, I don't know how I feel about this. I feel like I'm at the exact midway point between gushing and picking apart, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so... so There are some things I want to gush about. There are some things I want to pick apart. So It's not one or the other. Let's do this. I'm totally just... This is not a good place. It's also not rain. (laughs) Spur the moment here. Let's let's try this. Because you've already sketched the basic outline of the plot and what happens pretty Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Uh... So, give give me something you want to gush about. Let's start positive. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good idea, strangely. Okay. Something that I would like to gush about. Oh, now I'm like, some of the things I want to talk about are like a kind of gushing picking apart. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I want to pick something that's just genuinely 100% positive. I mean, uh, Rege, we're not totally sure about the pronunciation. We didn't bother to look it up because we're dicks, but... Regé John Page, mm-hmm. the Duke. RJP. Just, he, yeah, he's very pleasant to look upon. His his breeches are exquisitely cut. <laughs> this is something where th- this show is doing this thing, this like cool sort of alternate history thing where there's a lot of people of color just in Regency and yeah. it's just... It's happening. Yes, yes. They were. They definitely went for the, like, at no point does someone go, you know, yeah. surprise. Like, there's, I was actually surprised, having heard about the show, uh, that aspect of the show, that the first person of color we see on screen, the first two or three are servants. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe they did that as like a, on purpose, as like a fake out. Right. But then they did not, the first uh, uh, person of color who isn't a servant that we see is Queen Charlotte, mm-hmm. and they don't make a meal of her reveal. Right. She's just there. And then when um, the, the Featheringtons end up with a, a, a poor relation that they have to um, trot around the season um, that Lady Featherington is not mm-hmm. pleased about, when she appears, you, you kind of think it, there's going to be a surprise. Because she spends a lot of time saying, now be charitable, the poor are our burden, literally says that. Then the girl appears, you expect the reveal to be either, oh, she's black, or oh my god, she's gorgeous. And she just was a very pleasant looking young lady. Yeah. Like, she wasn't, she is black. Uh Uh-huh. Or mixed race. She is more of color than the Featheringtons. Yes. Put it that way. (laughs) The Featheringtons, Featheringtons are... the Featheringtons make me not look white. Like, well, they are they're so all redheads, white. so they're especially okay, okay, like... Yeah. Um, oh, crap. I forgot the name of the thing. The, it's in your skin. It makes it dark. The, the... Melanin deficient? Thank you. They're especially melanin deficient. I could not think of the word. I was like, melatonin. Oh, that's something else your body makes. Um, <clears throat> Melodramatic. 
Oh. Wait. <laughs> That's what most of your brain makes. But, but, but getting back to RJP. Oh, yes. And, and he's indicative of the overall thing that's happening here is he comes in and he is playing the level of class exquisitely well. Yeah. That, that he's a duke and he's sort of this particular echelon of privilege and yeah. sort of how he speaks and how he carries himself and how he moves through the world. Yeah. Is He's unquestionably a rake, but also is perfectly correct. Yes. And it's so cool because... You know, I've seen other productions where it's like they they'll they'll put a surprising casting into a historical setting or whatever for, you know, to to upend things, but it's always being played with kind of this wink to camera like, wouldn't it be great if history was like this? Yeah. And one of the things that I think is really great about the show that's embodied in his performance is that he just is. Yeah. And there's no moment where he's like. People stare at me. You know, it's like... Right, yeah, People stare yeah. at him, it's because he's... I need to fan myself with my notebook here. <sighs> I actually texted my sister that we had watched the show, and she responded, is strangely the embodiment of the cat heavy breathing gif right now. And it was not untrue. It's so true. You While we were watching it, you had some comment about something that happened in the episode, and it was right... It had happened right before his first appearance on screen. And you said something while he was like walking into frame. And I was just like, there is no conscious thought in my head right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess that's also to to finish my thought about Marina. Is that her name? I remember it being s- somewhat unusual. It did not read as a, you know, rich uh, British person in the Regency mm-hmm. era the way that Penelope and like Philippa or whatever right. the other names are. Um, Mariana. Mariana. Maybe it was Mariana. Sure. Mariana, her reveal. It's just, I mean, reasonably the, the, the mother is nonplussed about it because she is very pretty, Mm -hmm. but she's not, she doesn't walk in and she's not like radiantly beautiful. In fact, one of the girls, Penelope, the only one whose name I remember because she's the only one the show wants us to care about and think about as a unique person of the Featheringtons. Right. She says... She's beautiful. And I thought, I actually said to you out loud, wouldn't it be nice if the the fact that she was beautiful had been conveyed visually through her just appearance and poise or like how she was dressed or her hair was done or something or the way she was shot or the reaction of the mother or something. So that one of the characters did not have to look at the audience and say, she's beautiful. Also, I thought that they were trying to, I was like, oh, but maybe they did that on purpose because Penelope is supposed to be gay. But then she seemed rather breathless about one of the Bridgerton boys, so I don't know. I I read that as neither of those two things. Uh, I just thought that in that moment, it was just Penelope was like, thought that she looked fine. Yeah. And wanted to say something nice and was like, oh, you're you're beautiful. No, she said she's beautiful. Yeah, but that's why, like, she's commenting on it and just sort of she blurts it out because it's, she sees this other girl as beautiful. Even if we, the, okay. the reaction of like she, it not being visually conveyed in the storytelling that you had. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's deliberate. Although now that I'm explaining this complex way of reading this scene, I'm realizing that I think I'm giving the show too much credit. I, I agree. So now that we're transitioning into nitpicking, <laughs> nitpicking now that we've, we've gushed a little bit about uh, RJ. A little bit. Just a little not bit. Not as much as I meant to. Well, there's, there'll be more, I'm sure. There'll be more gushing. Uh, what is something, like, what is a, a negative that you have? And it could just be a, a, a nitpick or something you want to pick apart a little bit. 
Actually, I'm going to throw out something that's not a true nitpick, since my gushing wasn't true gushing. Uh-huh. Which is that the plot of this show seems to be remarkably similar to another Regency romance book that I have read, to the point that I looked up the publishing dates of that book and the first Bridgerton book. And the first Bridgerton book came out two years earlier, so maybe the book I read was copying it. However, the book that I have read, which I picked up at a truck stop on a, on a road trip one time uh-huh. and just enjoyed enough that I have held on to it and occasionally read it as like, you know, a, a fluff popcorn read. There is a, a beautiful rake who has recently become a duke uh-huh. and is completely over all the matchmaking mamas who want to throw their debutantes at him. There is a family that has four women that they have to introduce and is like, exhausted with the concept of having to you know have four young women in this the season at once right uh there is uh a very uh a very beautiful young lady at least one very beautiful young lady that the whole time is a buzz about uh god i feel like there was at least one other thing but that's that alone is like already (laughs) and do they do they have the The we're pretending to be in a relationship so everybody gets off our back plot. No. Well, there is two people pretending they have a slightly different relationship than they do. That actually is a thing. Two people trying to hide the nature of their relationship. Yeah, sure. The Duke and one of the beautiful ladies are trying to hide the nature of their actual relationship. So that's actually a thing in that other book as well. Now they put it in those terms. Like, it's astonishing. The book is Four in Hand by Stephanie Lawrence. And I'm not saying it's a really good book or anything, but I find it absurd to the extreme and delightful in that absurdity. Um, But yeah, I was just watching it like, as soon as the Lady Featherington was like, her friend was like, oh, four young ladies. But, you know, that is quite a lot of young ladies to have, you know, uh, to chaperone at all of those events. And she's like, needs most or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's just like four in hand. And then it's like, the Duke. Oh, everybody wants the Duke. And he's, oh, oh, he's actually showing up to these parties. Who convinced him to actually show up to these parties? Let's throw a debutante at him. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, why is this so similar? So I don't, I don't know. Fans of Regency romance literature, if you've read both of these books, is it like commonly held in the scene that that Four in Hand was ripping off the first Bridgerton book? I don't actually know if that's what the series was called, but correct me if I'm wrong, but like the the Regency era, man and woman pretending to be attached, yeah, to get people off their backs as kind of a scheme to like see I'm, I'm but that's not the nature of the situation in this book if you're gonna say that's just a trope of regency romances it's, but that's a thing that's a trope that's uh I maybe i honestly haven't read that many look okay. i've read a lot of romance novels in my life more but perhaps than i should have is there but a, not many regency romances is there a well-known story where that particular plot happens let's be to pretend to pretend to be in a relationship i mean there's a lot of rom-coms where it happens okay i guess yeah it is certainly a trope of romances yeah. but it is not necessarily a trope of regency romances to my knowledge okay i just I, I like as soon as there's the scene towards the end of this where he's like i have an idea of what we can do yeah that everyone will stop asking me Ooh. when i'm going to be married uh, and everyone will stop everyone will find you desirable again because yeah. there'll be interest 
I, that, I, just, I was that like, I've heard this thing. before. That specific thing I've never seen. That huh. exact situation. I remember the other thing that's similar. A very rich and beautiful young man who keeps an opera singer as his mistress. Also in foreign hand. Well then. Stephanie Lawrence, you are on blast. <laughs> Nearly 20 years later. <laughs> I'm so curious about that now. Yeah. Because like... It was a weird level of similarities. Yeah. I mean, although to give the, the Stephanie Lawrence the benefit of the doubt, like there could have been several years prior to that, some like even more famous book that had some of those elements and they were both like, yeah, like a historical biography or oh, a sure. less famous book that they both were, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting sometimes when you encounter authors like having sort of divergent or convergent evolution in storytelling where it's just like, yeah. Like, my favorite example of that is that um, there's, like, six books that all came out in the 90s that have a wall where north of the wall is magic and fairies and fantasy shit. Mm -hmm. And south of the wall is, like, basically, like, Middle Ages, normal Middle Ages England or normal England of some kind. So it's, like, Neil Gaiman Stardust, Game of Thrones, The Abhorsen oh. Trilogy by Garth Nix. Um, Good point. Uh, you know, there's, like, all these things that yeah. have that particular plot point and it's because like in the early 90s in national geographic there was like a fold out big spread on hadrian's wall <laughs> which is like you know a very particular geographic feature yeah. to keep out uh the crazy fantasy scottish people crazy fantasy stuff north of the wall you know yeah <laughs> I've been... all, all scottish people are werewolves did you not know that i i like at least 89 percent of them for sure yeah like, based on my personal experience. Uh, <laughs> that That is weird, though, that, like, you can name... So, like, it did... At first, it felt like... The whole like, episode, it this was... This sounds very similar, yeah. but not similar. But then every new thing you added kept making it closer and closer. Four marriageable young ladies in one family. I mean, that's pretty much Pride and Prejudice, right? right or similar, right? right? right. Um, even though they weren't in the tong, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, that book is where I learned the word ton from in that use. Uh, the the, the uh, eligible duke who's a rake who doesn't want to marry. Any one of those things wouldn't be that weird. But all of them together started to feel like, am I being pranked? <laughs> like, it, this is like, the, I, this honestly, Foreign Hand might be the only Regency romance I've ever read. I can't remember any others. Most of the romance novels I read when I was a kid were, like, from the 80s and 90s, and they were always, like, career women in their, you know, like, Power late suits. 20s, yeah. who were like, I have a home decorating business, I don't have time for a husband, and then, like, some beautiful man shows up, and she's like, but maybe. You know, no, never any dukes, um, you know. Unless of hazard. <laughs> Perhaps. Sorry, but but so yeah, it's just, those are the kind of romance novels I read most when I was in high school and college, which was my peak romance novel reading time. But yeah, it's just weird that that's like the one Regency romance novel I've read. And this show is based on a Regency romance novel. And I'm using Regency romance to refer to modern romance novels set in the Regency period, not like Pride and Prejudice, which is actually right. Regency and deals with romance. But it is not a romance novel. Right. I'm doing the air quotes. There's got to be sex in it for it to be a proper romance novel. <laughs> Capital R romance novel. Okay, so now that I have ranted a bit about that very weird similarity, strangely, would you I like to offer us a gush? Yes. Everybody in this looks like a million bucks. 
like every character. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I'm not just saying that like everybody's like Hollywood what about beautiful. Nigel? <laughs> Even Nigel from the costuming standpoint. Sure, and yes. that's what I'm getting at is okay. like the costuming department on this is amazing. And not just the costuming, but like there's a certain visual thing going on that, and I'm sorry, this is kind of a nitpick too. It's inconsistent, but when it's happening, it's amazing that about half this show looks like it's taking place in the uncanny, bright, primary color, Tim Burton-esque, Pushing Daisies-esque universe. Where yes. it's like Heightened these, reality. Yeah. There's thing. these yeah. bright blue Everything's dresses. a little bit cartoonish. But in in a in a realistic way, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. But if you've seen Pushing Daisies, I think you know the style I'm talking about. Like the 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 recent Emma film starring yes. uh, Anna Taylor Joy sort of had that same thing where it's like the carriage is bright yellow or yeah. like someone's holding a rose that's like Technicolor red, you know. Yeah. And when this show is doing that, and as I said, it's about half the time, and that half the time, I was just transported. It was so gorgeous. That they had this, like, especially there's a lot of establishing shots of exteriors of buildings. And there's Mm -hmm. just, like, people wearing these, like, elaborate Regency outfits just out for a walk. And I was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. I was expecting the costumes to be a little more, from what I had heard and a few of the screenshots I even Mm -hmm. saw, I expected the costumes to be a little more, like, too modern. And I was just watching it going... Boy, I'm glad I have exactly the level of knowledge uh, that I do about this time period because it's low enough that none of the costumes are really bothering me. Mm-hmm. Like, I am sure my friend David would be having a field day with this show. Uh, or anyone else who's a particular, you know, costuming, historical costuming person yeah. would be just either loving to tear it to shreds or would be absolutely in agony watching it. But I was like, well, it all kind of reads Regency enough. Heightened reality Regency, like the like the new Emma. Yeah, and it's it's also, for me, as not someone who knows about the period, um, it's consistent across the the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not like... I think the biggest thing that makes Rain look not good in a costuming department <sighs> was that... Some characters just look like they're wearing something off the rack from, like, you know, um, the store that... Forever 21. Forever 21 or whatever. Thank you. Or Anthropology or something. Yes, Anthropology. That's That the, was that's the store the I was trying yeah. to think of. You know, and then some people legitimately look like they're wearing, like, Renaissance, like, frocks or whatever the yeah. hell. And, it, yeah. like, it just doesn't blend. But whatever is going on in this show... Yeah, it was pretty consistent. Yeah, the men still... There were some men you could tell were more flamboyant characters and some were more reserved. And, you know, you know, as you said, even Nigel looks good. Like, the his oh, suit... you said Nigel looked good. I did not say that. Right, but when you question me on it, <laughs> but just like his suit... I like, know, he, I, I can only remember his first name because yeah. I say it towards the end. And honestly, there were so many Lord Thises and, yeah. and Duke, uh, Duke of that. I He was he might as well be Lord Vivity Boo for all Nigel. I remember his actual name. Nigel. Once they referred to him as Nigel, I was like, okay, yes, perfect. <laughs> totally a Nigel. But, you know, even he's wearing the, the he's in the fashion of yeah. all the gentlemen he, in the he episode. Looked, he looked appropriately, uh, slightly unfashionable mm-hmm. for how he was supposed to be. Um, kind of an, just an unkempt and not very attractive person. But they didn't overstate his unkemptness to try and drive home. This is not the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Oh, what? She said it. 
they didn't go, we need to really drive home that this family is poor. So what if right. they looked like so poor? What if they were covered in dirt and the men didn't shave and, you know, Mrs. Bennett it's, looked like a charwoman? Okay. Uh, anyway. Not a Timothy Spall character. like. <laughs> yeah. It, they didn't go over the top to make him look gross. He was just not as attractive physically, conventionally speaking. His hair was a little bit must. Mm-hmm. His clothes were not quite as tailored. It was subtle. And it and it worked that also, you know he just he's just creepy towards Daphne so yeah you know. but he, but just like from the very first visual of him when someone sees him and goes Ugh, like immediately you read it like it was yeah. in the visual storytelling in mm-hmm. a way that it wasn't in that other scene that um with the girl coming in and you were yeah. like this should have uh, I just remembered another thing another similarity sorry continue that thought another similarity to yes. the to the other thing yeah just drop well, yeah. tell me tell me. A a man who is responsible for a young lady who is uh, so intimidating, he's scaring off all the suitors. That is also in foreign hand. And constantly going like, oh, not that one. He does this. Oh, not that one. He's a weirdo. Not that one. He doesn't settle his bets. Like, that is also there. Sarah. What the hell? <laughs> we need to delete this podcast. We need to drive over to your house, get your copy of foreign hand, and call HBO right now. Like, HBO... <laughs> Right? HBO Max. HBO. You want to get on this? Yeah. And people will be like, oh, ripping off Bridgerton. And you could just hold up the book. Like, nah, fam. Also, it from came from earlier. a book. Although that, yeah, it did. That book did come out two years after. So I don't know. Maybe Bridgerton, the first Bridgerton book was a big old splash. And Stephanie Lawrence is like, I could do that. Uh, maybe. I could do a sexy Duke. I could. I, I, I mean. <laughs> Same. <laughs> That sentence is my mood board for the day. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. You were, you Hi, had a DoorDash. Thought. <laughs> oh, as much as I did, I, um, sorry, I thought of him and now I'm losing my segue into my I actually, more negative thing I want to say. I actually appreciate that he wasn't like. He is very pleasant to look upon. Yeah. This is not a diss. I appreciate that he was a little more real looking. Sometimes you see people in TV shows or movies and they just look too beautiful. They're too, they look, it's like almost uncanny valley of beauty. Uh-huh. And you're like, I don't know, pe- those people don't exist in real life. Well, that, I think that's why I, honestly, most of the people in this, like there's a lot of very pleasant to look at people in this. But yeah. All of them look like people that you could encounter just it's not that like cw uncanny valley yeah like cw loves that kind of beautiful like like even when um uh uh butthead brother (sighs) with his opera or his opera singer mistress is Mm -hmm. like you know he's like naked and then he like he's getting Mm -hmm. dressed he's a fit dude but he's not marvel fit yeah he was like slightly too fit for the time period but by modern standards, yeah. like modern Hollywood standards, reasonable fit. Yeah, it's... And yeah, I was extremely upset that he became such a douchebag throughout the course of the episode because I was finding him quite pleasing to look upon as well. But he's... Yeah, it was more like a Kurt Russell early 90s shirtless scene than a, mm, a mm-hmm. you know, a Chris yeah. Hemsworth, uh, yeah. Chris Evans, Yeah, he Chris was not Pratt. superhuman. God, there's a lot of Chris's. Wow, strangely, you're the first person to ever notice that. Sick burn. Speaking of sick burns, Isn't no, you were supposed joke to. You were that s- people make. 
that there are a lot of Chris's, strangely. I refuse to believe you don't know that. I know that you don't go on social media. I don't. That that all of the Chris's are somewhat interchangeable? I've, I'm sorry. I've literally never thought about this before. You are a precious and magical <laughs> tiny little mushroom creature. I don't know what to do with you Am right I now. like Josephine? Is that her name? What is her name? Penelope. What is the girl's name in this? Which girl? The the the, the one the redhead the Oh yeah, yeah. Penelope is Penelope. the likable chubby yeah, one. I'm Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm precious. <laughs> you are very precious. So now I'm gonna be mean. Yeah, all so that now nice it's stuff I said girl. about the visual like aesthetic of the show, mm-hmm. it is wildly inconsistent as to when it's happening. Because half the time we're getting sort of a, a heightened reality regency era, da da da. And then they do things like, let's make this look like a Mumford and Sons music video with all of the like hanging bulb lights all hanging over the party where everyone's dancing and we've got like fireworks going off, the, the spinning firework sparklers. Hmm. I didn't, I didn't get Mumford and Sons video from that. So I'm, I just, oh. okay. Yeah, but, well, I guess like just like I also that. didn't, that didn't read as inconsistent. There were other inconsistencies. That was but. that that was one that struck me that like that in that moment when they were like doing all the hanging like, like kind of yeah. artesian outdoor like cottage core wedding magical yeah. scene. I just I looked at that and I was like ten to fifteen years from now this is gonna look so dated. Huh. Okay. Yeah. In in the way- I actually thought they must be referencing something real because they made a production of it. The guy is like watch for a magical display and they show him right. lighting a thing and like a, f- a, a flame goes up a thing and then all these lights light up. I'm like, is that at least based on something that was in the royal court at the time period? Like somebody showed off some amazing thing that like lit up a bunch of lanterns? I don't know. Oh, it's not the fact that they have a bunch of lanterns that makes it look like, it's like a particular color palette that the the color correction on the digital photography in this is doing. Okay. I definitely did is, not notice that. Okay. It's just, it's something that, what, I, what I'm getting at with the feeling like it's inconsistent is half mm-hmm. the time we're getting this, this really bright technicolor sort of like magical realism of like, you know, the, there was like a woman in like a bright, bright Easter pink dress in one of the, the establishing shots. And then it's like, it's the weird teal and orange color correction thing that happens in like every sort of digital production movie these days. I believe you. <laughs> I just did I did not notice it. Okay, also something I'll see if you notice that again with the inconsistency is so many of those establishing shots of like people in amazing outfits walking by were so damn short. Like I could just I felt like they, oh, they could have let any of those go for like another and I know this is going to sound so picky, like another second or two and just let them breathe a little bit. No, that's reasonable. I didn't notice it, but I... Because some of the... It just made it feel really rushed in a way that like... And they, I mean, they did have a lot of characters yeah. and plot to establish. I didn't feel like the pacing of the story overall was rushed. So I guess if they had to choose between the story feeling rushed or the, the establishing shots feeling right. rushed, better to go with the establishing shots. I don't know. It's just, it was just like, it was frustrating to me because they clearly had d- developed such a beautiful visual aesthetic for a yeah. lot of these shots. I mean, they're gorgeous and they're, they're practical and like, they're just like, just people wearing, just let's get people in the most amazing costumes and then just film them nice. Yeah. Like sold. 
Yeah. But then let me look at it. That, that's fair. I, I'm sorry to report that again. I did not notice it. Um, but oh, you reminded me of another nitpick, but like, I feel like we have to stick with our concept and I have to do a gush first. Yeah, you got to earn those nitpicks. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to do that nitpick, though. Remind me that my nitpick, so I don't forget while yeah, I'm gushing. I'll make a note. I'll make a my note. nitpick has something to do with inconsistency. Okay. I hope that'll remind me. Okay. A gush. Mm, something to gush about. Let's give them something to gush about. That might as well be the title of your, like, Mar- the MarySue.com article about this movie. Right. I mean, this show. Um, something to gush about. Oh, Lady Danbury is great. Yes. She's delightful. And I want to steal that gush because I know that you, you said something before we started mm-hmm. recording to indicate you were very much enjoying her as well. I just felt like that actress, I'm not familiar with the actress, she was giving off such strong, um, like, Eartha Kitt vibes, like, older yes. Eartha Kitt. I was mm. like, I almost want to, I want to see, I just want to take a tiny glimpse into the alternate timeline where this was made at a time when Eartha Kitt was the right age to, mm-hmm. to be that character. Not that this actress wasn't doing amazing. I just, yeah. I also would like to just witness a glimpse of that. But yeah, she was doing real good. I very much enjoyed. I also enjoy a very like self-possessed, rich, but not cruel, uh, it's like society woman who just knows exactly what her power is. Like when she invites the Duke of Hastings to the her, her ball and he says, I must uh, regretfully decline. Your decline is, or, or what is it? I must give you my regrets. My regrets. Your regrets are declined. <laughs> and she just like says it and he goes, okay then. Fair enough. She's not, she doesn't, I know, it's it's hard to describe that perfect balance of, she's not cruel and she's not like stupid. Yeah. She's just like, you know what? No, I'm not going to let you. You have to come to my party and deal with it. There's a, there's a comfortability in her power. Yeah. Also, they just seem to have... That relationship is also like a relationship... God damn it. In foreign hand. The Duke has like an older aunt or something who is just very like, I know all of your tricks and all of your naughty business and I'm just not going to let you get away with certain things. Yeah. That relationship also exists in foreign hand. I'm just noticing more things as we talk about it. Anyway. She's delightful, though. She She is a scene stealer. Oh, yeah. In a, in a show that has many characters dialed up to 11, mm-hmm. she's actually dialed down a tiny bit and ends up just ruling every scene she's in. It's like she doesn't need to go up to 11 right? because her nine is, 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 a, is too much for most people. Yeah. Her nine is a Netflix 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just, it's perfectly, it's perfectly dialed. Okay, now did I earn my nitpick? Yeah, about inconsistency. <laughs> okay, the music. I had been warned that in the ball scenes, there was a lot of a string quartet playing a modern song. Yeah. Which I'm not a fan of in general. Luckily, I'm not up on modern music enough to have recognized any of the songs. So they didn't stand out to me in that way. I didn't go, well, I know this is a Billie Eilish song. Because I've never heard a Billie Eilish song. And that's not on purpose. I just haven't. I don't go to grocery stores anymore. (laughs) And that's where I used to hear music that I didn't choose to listen to. I don't know. I don't go to, like, public places where music gets piped in, you know? Anyway. um, I could still hear it, you know? I could still hear, this is not period-appropriate music. But I kind of rolled my eyes and then let it go. Yeah. 
the thing that was the most jarring about the music wasn't even that. It was then later at the dance at the end when when uh, uh, Lady Cowper, who I think might be a real person, or Miss Cowper, maybe she was the Miss and the Lady was somewhere else. I guess she wouldn't. Maybe she wasn't. Anyway, the bitchy, tall, blonde with the like swan-like neck who d- threw a drink at Penelope. Yeah. Evil giraffe is what my yeah. brain said. And I'm sorry, I know it's maybe not nice to comment on someone's well, she's personality, a mean, she's but a mean she's character, a meanie. So we're allowed. Yeah. The evil giraffe comes up. She was also very tall, especially compared to Penelope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she throws a drink at Penelope, and then Colin is like, I'm dancing with Penelope, you evil giraffe. And then they run off. Yeah. That song... And the dance, the dance match, the song, which I guess they get points for that. But both were highly inappropriate. They were both like, and now we're below decks on the Titanic. And it's time for a rousing Irish jig or something. It's like, what? All of the dancing was not period appropriate in in this show. Right. Did you need that information? No. It, it wasn't as period inappropriate as the dance scene in Knight's Tale, which will haunt me to the end of my days. No, no, the ball scene. They just straight up start playing, like, oh, I, modern I music, and everyone just starts, like, doing some funky, like, early 2000s music video moves. That is... I wish you guys could see my dancing that I'm doing right now, because it's hilarious. Strangely, it's doubled over with laughter. Anyway. I The last time I watched A Knight's Tale was at a Planet Fitness. Okay, I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. I was in the... I don't know what I expected. So I, I went there with a friend who had like a trial membership and was like, we should go check this out. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'm probably just going to run on the treadmill the whole time because I don't really do weights or whatever. And so I just ended up kind of jogging on a treadmill for like an hour and change and watched A Knight's Tale because they had a cardio theater. So there's just a bunch of treadmills in a room with like a theater size screen, like, you know, 40 foot long. And I watched A Knight's Tale. And... Huh. And I remember seeing back back in the day, and I remember that there were sort of some moderny touches, yeah, or whatever. But I was unprepared for like some of them. And at one point, I you did... were unprepared for Shannon Sossaman's hair. Yeah, at one point, I actually fell off the treadmill laughing. And yeah, I... I think once you've seen that movie, yeah, no combination of like period and modern like wackiness will ever be as jarring and stupid. I'm sorry, I know a lot of people really love that movie, and I'm sure there are parts of it that were good, but the parts that have stayed with me in my heart, unfortunately, are the parts <laughs> I violently hated. That movie is, his face looks like it know what phones are, the meme, yeah. as a movie. Yeah, Like, yeah. it is that energy, is the energy of that meme Yeah. in movie form. Speaking of things that are inconsistent, is that your inconsistency nitpick? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that was my, that was my, yeah, the, the music. All right. Do you have a gush to follow my nitpick? Oh boy, I uh, I really enjoyed, and this is something that the the recent uh, Emma film did as well. This idea that the servants are human beings, and mm. so there's a lot of eye rolling and like just them dealing yeah. with the shit. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of the servants. No. But they still seem to be, they were given more personality than you often, they yeah. are often allowed in a, in a period thing like this. And it's a, it's a trend like that I, I want to see more of because I, I, especially these, these highly opulent periods of history where, you know, people just have a bunch of human beings as their appliances, basically. Yeah. If you want to make something fun and sassy in the modern day, give those people more personality. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like the, 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 the servants in Emma who have to open that heinous, like, framed picture. And, like, and yeah, they're just yeah. like, God, do I have to? The look that the two, they're, like, behind yeah. Emma's dad, Mr. Woodhouse, says, and he, he once again feels a draft. And they just give each other a look. And it, mwah, it was real yeah. good. Oh, not to mention the servant. Just a moment. Can we give a moment for the, whoever that actor is? Who played the servant who walks in on Johnny Flynn having like an absolute conniption oh, yeah. fit on the floor just and just out. walks right back out? Yeah. Well done, sir. Best supporting Oscar. Best, I absolutely best non-speaking role I've seen in years. Yeah. Amazing. And and this show that the hints of that are one of the reasons that I feel like this was probably more than 58 minutes and it got cut down to fit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i wanted it to breathe a little bit more because i feel like they shot a lot more of that stuff and we're only seeing glimpses of it because oh i'm sure and and you will see more in the rest of the show should you decide to watch more because i i'm not gonna lie the the gag at the beginning where butthead brother is having sex with the actress against a tree yeah and and then they're like very intensely in it and it's like supposedly they're out in the woods somewhere yeah. or whatever and then we get the wide shot and the dude's servant is just standing the, there with a the horse. servant yeah is standing there with a the horse with his back to them just like looking clearly just a bit like we're gonna be late dude like oh God, why am i here yeah and why do i have to hear this yeah just like so put upon but also just like so done yeah i felt like that captured what it must have been like to be one of those people in one of those roles in that time period yeah and it it killed me he sold the you had to see so much gross stuff i imagine just being a servant you just had to like deal with so much personal garbage that anyway I'm I'm probably just like extra keenly aware of it because I'm reading Don Quixote right now and just poor Sancho. I've never read it, but poor oh, Sancho indeed. Poor I'm Sancho. Sure. Yeah. So I guess I know that's like my my gushes end up being my nitpicks because I want more that's or slightly expanded the of this. Yeah. But but I think that's why I'm feeling so conflicted about it is because the things I like I really like, but they're either not getting the room to breathe or they're they're kind of not getting focused on or they're not getting explored. In the way that I, I would want, you know, so, so too, I had a moment, um, where there were the three sort of moms up on the balcony. Oh, the three older women with with Lady Featherington and then two of her friends. Yeah. And they were, the two friends on either side of Lady Featherington were just having a great time, very subtly burning her until she walked away. Yeah. And then they looked at each other like, there was almost like a little high five. And like I get it, it's a TV show. You yeah. want to make it hit for the for the youngs, but like I want a show about those three ladies. That's the show I want. Like I want, I want. Yeah. There's, it's such. Well, a... Well, the the other two, I felt like yeah. I got enough of Lady Featherington. But 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 you know what I mean. Like it's such a trope that in movies about young people having romance, there's like the the aunties or the the women yeah. in the community, whatever, and they're always kind of this ancillary Greek chorus character you know they're sort of almost there for a story function more than to be individuals and it's like what if we just had those what if we made a thing about those yeah the same thing there's the moment where um 
late uh mom uh bridgerton and <laughs> ma bridgerton ma bridgerton and uh mrs i raised the duke single-handedly um, lady danbury lady danbury they kind of make a they kind of scheme a match between yeah. their their respective uh charges as charges. it were yeah. not that the duke is actually danbury's charge but she's she's she has taken charge of him one way or the other and just like both of those women were like scenery i'd be a, a wood chipper like just just like <laughs> just completely owned it it was yeah. so great yeah and oh i very much enjoyed that conversation it was so it was, good because it got right to the point too yeah it was pretty good. Also, scene a scene at the opera where people are scheming definitely exists in foreign hand. But also, that's pretty. I feel like that's a that's a, a standby of the, yeah. the genre. Still, they're all standbys of the genre. It's just there's so many of them in one thing. <sighs> so I think I've kind of gotten through my my gushes and my nitpicks. Do you do you want to sort of talk about? Yeah, should we where... get on? Should we get into the segments? Yeah, let's get into the segments. I feel yeah. good. Like I feel like we're I feel powerful and <laughs> regent. Like, yeah, I can't. I was trying to think. Is there anything else I wanted to talk about that won't be covered in a segment? And I don't think so. No. Let's let's get right into it with our first segment, which we like to call. Where did the money go? This is the segment where we like to speculate about where the production spent the majority of their budget, because mm-hmm. sometimes it is very obvious. There's and one big splash. And sometimes it's not. Yeah. This was pretty evenly spread, I would say. The big the big party at the end... Yeah. ...was, was pro- probably a little more. But there are, like, several balls. Everyone is dressed to the nines yeah. in, in... Costume department. Yeah. Costume department, definitely. Because to make it all that consistent... I'm sure there were some extras peppered in there wearing stock costumes that already existed. But anybody who had any real screen time, I have to assume, was wearing a costume made for this show. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I it is so rare that I want to look up a costume, like whoever's in charge of costumes, or mm-hmm. or I want like I want to see a making of about the costumes on this show. I, I don't know how historically accurate they are. Yeah. Said said the <laughs> <laughs> master's degree in history, but uh, but at the same time, like it's. It's so consistent. The mm-hmm. world building of it is so consistent yeah. that it, it it has its own internal logic. And I like that. Uh, I want to wear it. <laughs> yeah. This is the grandfather of the sweet outfit old timey days. <laughs> as we like to call suited. Moving on to our next segment, which we like to call... Clips and Chips! This is the segment where we'll talk about... Uh, predictions in general both for cliffs i.e cliffhanger for what the cliffhanger for the first season will be and ships any relationships we would like to see flourish or develop now i think this is going to be i guess i was gonna say i think but you pretty much know it's based on a book series this is not the kind of thing where they start the show and they maybe have some vague ideas where the season is going to go i think this was fully scripted out they knew exactly where the story was going because they had the books to work from that being said do you have any ideas knowing nothing about the books that this is based on either i think at least one character that we are deeply disposed to loathe in this first episode Mm -hmm. will end up being likable yeah 
by the end. Like yeah. someone will be redeemed, either Butthead Brother or Nigel or Lady Featherbottom. Or Who whatever. knows? Maybe even the evil giraffe herself. Maybe even the evil giraffe. You know, it's like there's somebody that you're going to get nuance for later or who's going to change or grow as a person. Yeah. I just, I feel like that's a, I'm not saying a safe call, but like, I feel like that is probably something that that show, that this story will need yeah. to have length. And if it's yeah. multiple novels, it can't just be a will they, won't they comedy of manners. Yeah, yeah. Now, Even what, if that is the skeleton upon which. Yeah. What I'm very curious about is whether this season of the show will comprise a season in the tom. Mm. Which would mean at least one of these ladies, if not several of them, will need to be married by the end of the season. Right. Which then that changes or dynamics. All of them. <laughs> yeah. But then that changes dynamics for the ones who aren't married yet yeah. in future seasons, etc. In the, terms of ship, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say the 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 Daphne and the Duke. There you go. There's another uh, uh, Regency title. What right. was the one I said before we started recording? It was really good. Oh no, you said it, and I pointed out it would be a good title. Four sisters and a duke, something like that. No, I think you said it was like oh two. Two families and a duke. Two families and a duke. I was like, yeah. there you go. There's a title. But yeah, Daphne, Daphne and the Duke. That's another one. Um, that story cannot last more than a season. Unless they really want to play with, you know, the historical yeah. situation. I, I, yeah. You can't do a will they, won't they as long <laughs> in, these, in this time period as you can today. And I, I guess that really d- would depend on how much, how compressed or not compressed the time that is covered yes, in the season. right. If if the season of the show is a season is the season in the taunt. Now, this the whole show could be a matter of weeks. Yeah. I don't know how long exactly the season is in the Tom. At some point she said he's booked our time through June or something like that. Which yes. kind of imply and it kind of seems like it's spring, so I'm yeah. ass- and based on ancient European fertility uh <laughs> festivals. <laughs> sorry, I'm minoring in Eurasian folklore. Uh you know, sort of this kind of March to June time period where it's like spring. I also assumed that was season. the time period, yeah. not based on having a minor in Eurasian folklore, just based on that's when the weather would be nice for like boating parties and things. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was just God, being logical. Uh, <laughs> but it it felt like this first episode was over the course of about a week. Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe two weeks max. So if each episode is roughly a week. That yeah. is one season. And you could have something where the Daphne and the Duke builds up and it, it seems like something's going to happen. And then he he just leaves suddenly. Yeah. Because he's implied that he's only, he only meant to be in town for a short while and he to, has to something To deal with else. his father. Right. Like his father just passed away. Yeah. He just needs to deal with his father's affairs. And then he was going to go off to a country estate or something and go do something else. Yeah. It, it It's implied he has shit going on elsewhere. But... For me, those two, not my biggest ship. Oh, no. It's Penelope. Her, whatever she ends up doing, like, clearly she is being set up as one of... Who do you ship her with? I don't... Sorry, I don't ship her with anybody specifically. I guess it's more of a cliff. Because the show seems to be setting her up as a important central character. She's very quickly, as you said earlier, she's very much distinguished from her sisters. They're kind of very much alike interchangeable almost and she's different and she's friends with the girl across the street who's roughly the same age as her um, 
Daphne's astonishingly throaty voice for a girl of her age. Yeah, she's, she's got uh, whatever throat the uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah, has yeah, she got the yeah little big, women. Big, not quite as deep as Florence Pugh. Nobody is. Like I'm Meg. What is her name? Yeah, not yeah. Meg. Is she Meg? No, she's not. Emma Watson. Amy. Amy. I'm Amy. Hi. I want to be an actress, darling. I'm going to be Tallulah Bankhead when I grow up. Who's that? <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> when I grow up. <laughs> but yeah, so like that, you know, there are some people who just seem to be being set up as people and some people who are being set up as story functions. Yeah. Like Penelope's older sisters. Yes. And I really liked the actress who played Penelope. Like she really sold oh, the she's character. Adorable. She's adorable. Yeah. I ship her with whoever she wants. Yeah, exactly. I, I was actually confused. Okay, so I mentioned there was something about a, a young lady and a big pompadour. I've mm-hmm. heard this on the internet, and I believe Penelope to be the young lady in question. And I think we saw the pompadour in one of the scenes because there was a pompadour that you commented, if that's not the pompadour, I'm afraid to see yeah. the, the pompadour. However, the pompadour was not Colin Bridgerton, right? But he, Colin is the one that she ends up dancing with. Right. So maybe he and Col- she and Colin are just like pals. He calls her Pen. It seems like they've been friends since they were kids, probably. They live across the street. Yeah, they live across the yeah. street. She's best friends with one of his sisters. Yeah. But I'll, I'll leave it at this. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I ship her with whoever she wants. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to our next segment, which we like to call... What will this show be? This is the segment where we speculate about the future of the show... And sort of what we think the day-to-day nitty-gritty of each episode is going to be. Now, yeah. obviously, with this show, each episode will open with a murder of a character who's been coded to be unlikable. <laughs> and then Daphne and the Duke will have to investigate the murder. And then, weirdly, it'll actually pivot and Lord Featherington is the one who will end up... I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be very much a, you know... Each episode is an hour of a really long movie, you know, vibe yeah. that we get from a lot of bingeable shows these days. And in, and we kind of already talked about sort of the time timeline that we think is happening, and et cetera. Yeah. Not going to lie, this is 100% that Netflix pilot thing that I'm not super into. Yeah, it, it definitely, the setup feels like the setup for a movie more than for a, ser- a series, right? The, the This couple has to pretend to be fond of each other even though they really don't like each other for kind of no reason. And then... Uh, they, I love Lucy. <laughs> then they end up... They're going to end up falling in love. I mean, you know what? If if Daphne and the Duke of Hastings don't end up falling in love, I will eat my entire hat after doffing it to Bridgerton. If that's not where this is heading, I will. I would gladly... Gladly eat my hat, but I'm assuming that's where we're going with this. Yeah, it ends up pivoting hard into like Regency lesbian romance and like just totally portrait that lady onto fire. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie yet, so I, I yeah. don't know what the plot is. But isn't there like another movie that's just come out or is about to come out that is also, oh yeah, like that one is like England and mm-hmm. it's like by the sea and there's a lot of very dramatic. Portrait of the Lady on Fire. Yeah, or is that? Yeah. Uh, it's some isolated coast or island or yeah. like Isle of Wight or something. And then there's there's another one that's like just come out or about to come out that's like Old West Frontier oh, ladies. Oh, The yeah. World to Come. Yeah. 
I had to lay down after watching that trailer. I was like, this is this looks amazing. And even the even the non lady bits of it, it's like Casey Affleck. I'm like, hi. Oh, I didn't. I didn't recognize look, that he was in it. You, yeah. You had to lie down on the floor when your servants walked into the room and turned right around and That's walked right. back out. And I haven't seen him since. <laughs> the house is a mess. Yeah, it's, uh, I wasn't gonna say anything, but. Moving on to our next segment. Hey, Becca. This is the segment where we talk about. Who we recognized in the episode, whether we know them from anything else, uh, whether there were any that guys, i.e. character actors. So, obviously, uh, we mentioned it already, our queen, Julie Andrews, was present. uh, XO, XO, (laughs) Lady Gossipton. Which was, that was delightful. And I mentioned this to you before we started recording is she's not doing the Julie Andrews voice that yeah, we've all come I, to I, know. I saw we both saw her in the credits, and then we were kind of waiting for her to appear, and then it was like, oh wait, but she's obviously not Queen uh, uh, Queen Charlotte, yeah. right? And who else could Julie Andrews possibly play on screen if not a queen? Yeah, come on now, come on now. And, she... and yeah, I didn't recognize her voice right away, so I, I at the end I was like, oh, she must be uh, Lady Gossip Down. So. And it's it's distinctly her, but she's doing like a different kind of spin. She's there's a little more edge to it. It's really fun. Like yeah. you can tell she's making a meal of it. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. She's quite delightful. I'm I'm now torn about whether I want her to appear on screen or always be this kind of narrator, omniscient narrator voice. Oh, I guess we should address that. I'm assuming it's gonna be truly in the style of Gossip Girl. Who is Lady Whisperdown? Right? Yeah. Whisperdown? Yeah. She's never going to actually appear. And who she is is not going to be that big of a plot. People occasionally talk about it, but she will mostly serve to comment on the action. She's the omniscient narrator. Occasionally, she will have people send her photographs of trysts in the woods using their uh, brand new camera phones. Right. Uh, (laughs) Well, actually what they do is they they take a photo of it onto a a derogotype and then they... Derogotype? Is that like a derogatory daguerreotype? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's, it's it's the latest in uh, low technology, and then they they'll uh, do they'll do a watercolor sketch of yeah, someone based on a letter yeah. that someone sends them. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming she will never be on screen, and I'm fine with it. Yeah, because the show isn't about who is Lady Whisperdown, Whistledown. Whisperdown seems too on the nose, and she's a gossip. Whistledown. Whistle. <laughs> Because it's like thistle down. I think yeah, whistle, whistle down. Yeah. Other than that, though, there was only one person I recognized. Well, this. before we get to the big one, should I address uh, 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 brother asshole brother? Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. you recognized him, right? And then I was like, oh my god, I know that face. It's a nice face, and I definitely recognize it. And I was like, yeah, I I know this guy from something. I'm sure it'll come to me. It didn't throughout the episode. Looked him up. And went, oh, he was in Broadchurch. Can't be that. Kept looking at it. And usually when you recognize someone that strongly, at least for me, once I figure out where I know them from, I go, oh! And I didn't, I had to Google his name. Jonathan Bailey is the actor. I had to Google his name and Broadchurch and try to find a picture of him in Broadchurch. And even then I went, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I recognize that character. But I can't believe. I think it was a combination of two things. Which is that I was recognizing him from Broadchurch and he kind of looks like 
uh, Greg Burke, who's an actor who used to do a lot of Crack.com stuff. I think it was just a combination of those two things. He turned into this, like, perfect storm of, you know, pretty dark-haired white boy. And what can I say? I have a weakness. Um, also, the naked scene was not a bad thing. Anyway, so... That was a little disappointing because I thought, oh, I can't wait to find out where I know him from. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, okay, I guess Broderick. I guess. But the other one, I actually said to you, now go look up who you recognize. You're like, oh, I got to look up this one person. I'm like, oh, well, I want to, don't tell me who it is because I want to see if it's the same person. Then I looked up that character just just for my own peace of mind. And it turned out I was wrong. So who did you think it was? Okay, well, we're both, uh, we, we unfortunately spoiled that we were both thinking of Lord Featherington. Yes. Because we saw, you saw me looking, looking up his IMDb. So the first time I saw him, I went, he looks vaguely familiar, but he's sort of, you don't see him very much. Finally got a good look at him and went, oh, it's Rob Brydon. <laughs> it's not Rob Brydon. No, it is Ben Miller, who I recognize from Primeval, which is a ridiculous BBC sci-fi show that we will talk, we should do on this show. Because it's an it's it's bananas. Yeah. But he's also kind of a British that guy. Like he's been in many things, and the first thing I ever saw him in was back in two thousand four. He plays Johnny English's sidekick in all of the Rowan Atkinson James Bond spoof spy movies. Huh. So he's he's just like he's a he's he's got a very British face and a very British mean, and he's just there and British. But you recognized him from something as well, didn't you? Yes, yes. I went, oh, I was recognizing him. My brain just short-circuited and went Rob Brydon. Now, they do have relatively similar faces. And especially when he's wearing the period clothes and the big mutton chops, it it threw me off. But I was recognizing him, actually, from Death in Paradise. Which is a completely bonkers show. D.I. Richard Poole. Yeah. He is delightful, but also he's so... Milk toast, and that's like the point of the character on Death in Paradise. That he's just he is all British men boiled down into a paste. <laughs> yeah, and sort of doing the the Bill Nighy from Emma role here, where he's just sort of the like quiet father who's kind oh, of. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it, uh, that is what the Mr. show Woodhouse wants in the him movie to be. is very. I mean, in the book too, is very chatty about his thoughts and his ideas about drafts yeah this was more the God, i can't think of a comparable character but the the father who's just kind of in the background and is barely paying attention he's like yes dear reading his newspaper or whatever you know but then he's get there's there's some side eye he's he's gets, oh, yeah. he gets some side eye hey, dear isn't it time for you to do something for get out of the house and he's like it looks like it might rain and she just gives a slight glance to the window like they don't do a big no, but it is very much not yeah. rainy it doesn't. weather. I, I liked how subtle that beat was. If they didn't, you could have made a meal of, uh, like, someone else walking in going, Oh, what a beautiful day. Or, oh, it's warm outside or something. You know, it just... And that's a, that yeah. brings me right back to my nitpicks where it's like, some of the comedy in this is so subtle and so good. <laughs> and then some of it is like, unhappy servant holding horse while people fucking. Yeah. Can I say that on this? Horse, it's... Yeah, I, I, we've never censored our language, particularly in the past. (laughs) Anyway, moving on to our penultimate segment. I choose you. Now this is where we talk about who is our favorite character and who do we want to see more of? Who is your favorite character? I mean, Penelope, obviously. She's the best. She's, she is 
pretty great. She's great, and she deserves better, so you, she's not already perfect. Right. I mean, I also want to see more of Lady Danbury, but, like, Lady Danbury is fully formed. Oh, also, I thought they were heavily implying that Lady Danbury was Lady Gossipton. Yeah. Uh, Lady, Lady Whisper Girl. Uh, at, at first. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene where she's reading the paper, and I went, yeah. well, she could be just enjoying her handiwork, but then she's like, ugh, that ridiculous woman. And it, it still could be her. But it can't because Julie Andrews. So right. I guess it's not. Anyway. She's my favorite character in, in this. I, she's, no, she, I mean, yeah, I guess I want to see more of Lady Danbury, but like a comparable amount per episode of Lady Danbury. Right. I don't want Lady Danbury to have her own like storyline per se. I want her to be around. I want her to spin off into her own Netflix show and okay, then join the Avengers. Enough. And I just, <laughs> she's, she's my Duke. Yeah. Like, she put her in any movie. I I want to put, like, a, site, a slight sub thing where I'm really interested to learn more about Mar- Mariana, whatever, the, the, the cousin. Yeah. We just, we didn't get much of her personality in this episode. Until the very end, she kind of, she, there's yeah. a couple little moments where she's, she's having a bad time. Yeah. I'm very interested to find out how they will justify keeping her around. They can't just have her in the episode and then send her away. It would be very strange to send her away. And normally she would have, I mean, as she says, Lady Featherington would have a perfect excuse to send her away. She does address that it will reflect poorly on her daughters, but there's nothing else. There's nothing else to be done. I have a feeling that it's going to come down to Lord Featherington, Featherington, Mm -hmm. that because it wasn't he the one who arranged it. It's like a favor for his brother's nephew's cousin or something she is she is a distant cousin of of lord featherington not of lady featherington and so i have a feeling that like if they're looking for just a quick answer it's like he won't send her it's like i i'm putting down the foot i don't know why i I couldn't think of the word foot i had a hard time finding that one had to really reach for it yeah i i mean obviously yes that's the obvious reason that but like you can't just keep a pregnant girl around in that time period and that i mean they could do things differently but it's clear that that's like well we'll have to send you away to dispose of this situation or whatever but like i don't know i guess i don't know where they're going with it right i'm inclined to think they'll keep her around and that she will form a parallel uh caper narrative to the duke and daphne pretending to be in a relationship mm-hmm. so it's like everybody has secrets well, like everybody is very into this mysterious new young lady, yeah. But that we were not given any indication of. Well, no, um, one of the Bridgertons really liked her, right? Yeah. One of the Bridgerton boys, yeah, um, was seemed to be at least someone else comments that he seems to be in the lead as far as her suitors go. Yes. We don't really get to see that. I thought it was Colin. Yeah, it was Colin because okay. he came up to Penelope and asked where. I was uh, say, they make... Uh, Mar- Marinara was. And yeah. Then, and then Marina, Mar- Mariana? Mar- Mar- Maraca? Marina? Morocco? Mar- <laughs> Marzipan. 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 Uh, he asked where she was and she's not here. She's not feeling about, well, okay, well. And, but, but then he does do the That's kind true. thing and dances with Penelope. That's true. He does ask where she is first yeah. and this is, she's at home. Although I don't believe for one second that Lady Featherington would choose to stay home 
take oh. her. Oh. But she did it to confront her. because That's what it was. That's what it was. It wasn't that she was sick. It's they're keeping her home because of that. Yeah. It still seems weird. I was like, what? I somehow had already forgotten. I was like, Lady Featherington would not stay home to nurse this poor relation that she hates. Anyway. Um, I, I want to ship them, kind of, but also we don't really see them interact that much. Right. She's definitely the biggest question mark for me that could end up being a thing that makes me like the show more. Yeah. Which brings us to... Final verdict. And unsurprisingly, this is the section where we talk about our final verdict, answering the question, did this pilot do the job of a pilot and make you want to watch more? Oh, you're well, asking me. Yeah. Yes, Ramsey. <laughs> I'm actually asking you this question. It is currently a no from me. I'm... I'm kind of in the middle, like yeah. how I have been about a lot of aspects of this show. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I need to find out what happens next. Or, oh my God, I need more of these characters. But I'm also not like, oof, no more of that, thank you. Like I have been with many shows we've watched. Um, I am curious to watch more, realistically, knowing my own time and my own current consumption and what I'm watching right now, I might not watch more. There's a particular person in my life who would like me to watch more. And so I might watch more for their benefit. Um, although I need to look up on the internet and find out apparently something upsetting happens that people were all like, yes, that was a bad choice, but let's move past it. And I would like to find out what episode that's in so I can at least be prepared. Hmm. But yeah. Um, Remember the warning that Netflix gave us? And you were like, what was that about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that happens later, I have heard. and Nudity. Yeah, smoking. <laughs> this show has smoking in it? Oh, my God. God, Sarah. We're going to get demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to text your mom and apologize to her for showing you a program with, with Text smoking. my mom. You're going to have to apologize to the entire internet. <laughs> So I guess that's it. We yep. watched Bridgerton. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah, we were pretty. This is a this. I feel like this is a rare show for us where we were, we weren't blah about it. We weren't meh, mm -hmm. but also we weren't completely. We weren't necessarily leaning one way or the other. We had strong opinions both in the positive and and the yeah. pros and the cons columns. For me, that actually ends up being a show that's more fun to talk about. Like yeah. something that I abjectly hated, I can pick apart why I hated it, but yeah. it just it leaves me tired. And something yeah. that I just am over the top in love with, I almost don't want to pick it apart. I don't want to. Oh, are you kidding? Well, <laughs> you know the sense of like if I if I'm really enjoying a meal, I don't necessarily want the cook to tell me every single spice and whatever. Like it, it reduces it down. I do, I do love true. picking apart the things I love, but but you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I just want to be in it, especially with a show. I just want to keep watching it. I don't want to stop and just pick we, apart the pilot. There have been a few times we watched a show that I really liked, and some of my momentum to want to watch more was robbed by having to wait, especially uh, on times when we had to, there's like a significant gap between watching it and recording. Uh, today, we were lucky we got to do it all in mm -hmm. bing, bang, boom, one go. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website, pilothousepodcast.com, or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future shows. 
Our podcast is entirely listener-supported, so thanks to our special guest stars, Jerome, CJ, Josh, Christopher, Tina, and Juniper. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production. Lord Bing Bang Boom is the Lord Bibbidi Bub. I wanted more more times to refer to Nigel as Lord Whoosie What's It, but uh, he just wasn't really worth talking about that much. No, no. Yeah, he was the Mister Collins of this show, <laughs> like a creepy Mister Collins. And on that note, <laughs> bye. bye! <laughs> I was going to try and hold it out longer than you, but then uh, that made me laugh and then I lost it. Oh, nailed it.